Hey, functional friends, Bren Vermeyer here. Welcome to the Holistic Savage podcast, where we like to talk about all things related to functional health, including functional medicine, functional fitness, functional spirituality, functional psychology, and basically everything in between. And of course, you can't spell functional without fun. So we like to have a good time on this show. Now, before we get started with introducing today's honored guest, I want to remind you all that the content of this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not at all intended to be a replacement for supervised healthcare. So be sure that you're working proactively with your licensed healthcare provider to make sure that all of your healthcare and medical needs are being met effectively. Of course, if you're interested in our functional services at Metabolic Solutions, you can send us an email at info at metabolicsolutionsllc.com. And of course, visit our website, metabolicsolutionsllc.com. Also, if you love this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you share it with your family and friends, like it, follow us, subscribe, review. It really means the world because ultimately, I believe that the greatest miss involves to teach people how not to need it. And the first step towards change is awareness and then education and empowerment. So that is what my platform is dedicated to. That's what this podcast is dedicated to, is helping educate and empower self-healers around the world so that they can overcome their greatest health objectives. So be sure to subscribe and leave us a positive review and don't forget to share with your loved ones. So without further ado, let's get started with today's guest. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, functional friends, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Holistic Savage podcast. I couldn't be more excited to introduce my good friend, Dr. Jess Petros, who is coming on to the podcast. And we're going to be talking all about naughty microbes and toxic loads. So please allow me to formally introduce Dr. Jess, who is a former hospitalist, internal medicine-based medical doctor, and a certified Gerson practitioner. She is an expert in the areas of stealth infections, environmental toxicity, regenerative medicine, ozone, and cannabis. Her passion lies in uncovering the mystery behind the chronic illness, whether that be stealth infections, heavy metals, stress, trauma, or other environmental toxicities. There are real root cause answers for why the body might be malfunctioning. Trained in medicine at the University of Louisville, Dr. Jess experienced what many of her patients experienced, deep anxiety, hormonal imbalances, and adrenal dysfunction. She sought answers to uncover the root cause of disease, something she thought she had learned in medical school. After working as an MD in a hospital for six years, Dr. Jess realized that she needed to investigate alternatives to today's modern medical industry, which treats every ill with a pill. She became, she became trained in Gerson therapy, functional medicine, nutrigenomics, and ozone in her efforts to help her patients with chronic disease solutions. She now is an expert in the field of Lyme, parasites, and the health hazards of mold. She is an international keynote speaker with her own former line of Dr. Jess products. Recently, Dr. Jess made the choice to not continue her board certification with the AMA as she no longer practices pharmaceutical-based medicine and is able to get to the root cause to heal people without the need for narcotics, immunosuppressants, antidepressants, antibiotics, or steroids. So it is such a pleasure to have Dr. Just on the podcast. She and I have been running in the same circles and groups for quite a while, and it was just a matter of time before we became functional besties. So let's go ahead and get started with this amazing show. Welcome everybody back to the Holistic Sounds Podcast, where we like to talk about all things related to functional health, including functional medicine, functional fitness, functional spirituality, functional psychology, and everything in between. Obviously, every guest I've ever had on this show, you know, I'm spoiled beyond belief. I know all these amazing people, you know, I feel not worthy at times, but 
I get to uh, interview and have these amazing conversations with fellow industry leaders. And today I am very excited to have my good friend, Dr. Jess Petras with us today. She is a medical doctor specializing in functional medicine, particularly in the area of mold and Lyme and metals and stealth infections, which is a subject near and dear to my heart. So we're going to be getting into that. But without further ado, Jess, how are you doing, my friend? I'm great. Thank you for the lovely welcome. Isn't imposter syndrome a funny thing? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. I Imposter syndrome, I don't think it ever goes away. I mean, you tell me, does it? It never goes away. You always second guess. Of course, <laughs> you know, that's that's good to know, because because uh, I definitely look up to you in a lot of ways. And so and I've been conditioning myself with like, Brennan, uh, it doesn't seem like like no matter how much I accomplish, I'm like, uh, am I really worthy? But, you know, I just keep going. That's just how it is. I mean, it really is. A, it's, it's a journey of always finding out how to love yourself. Right. Yeah. And you're good enough. Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, so just, you know, I, I like to. Uh, usually kickstart these podcasts um, with kind of a fun story of how I know the guest. And so I'm, I'm sure you'll hopefully remember this, but you and I first met back in 2018 at the very first FDN conference. And we were both in this mold workshop that was being put on by uh, our friends and colleagues, Lauren and Sandeep, which was an amazing workshop. And then, so this is kind of a, a cool full circle for me and us uh, because that was when we first met and you've been on my radar for this whole time. We had uh, Sandeep on in season two. We had Lauren on in season two as well. And so this is cool because now it's like that that mold squad is kind of coming full circle here with, with you. I love it. I love the mold squad. I, I think all doctors should be part of the mold squad. It's such a problem, right? Absolutely. Well, you know, I was telling uh, Lauren and, and some of the others and Jill, Krista and, and the, the whole mold squad, I'm like, we need t-shirts. So I, I think I'll take that up on myself <laughs> one of these days and we'll have a super awesome uh, mold squad. People would order those free from you. I know it. I would. I would. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you're gonna get one for free. I'm. Just, it's just gonna show up in the mail one of these days. I need to get you one of these holistic savage shirts too. But we'll get there. So, you know, Jess, um, you are kicking ass at life. You know, you you're such a loved and respected leader in this industry. Which you know, the functional medicine industry is is exploding. The whole paradigm methodology, and it's beautiful to see and being a guy that came from functional fitness, it's like we first kind of saw how the functional fitness movement, which CrossFit was kind of the spear of that in a lot of ways, that forever changed fitness as we know it. And I truly believe that that is happening with functional medicine. I think it's going to change healthcare um, as we know it forever in the best of ways. And so it's never been more exciting time to be in the industry and, and be leading it. And I see all the amazing work you're doing. And I'd love to hear before we get too lost in the weeds on naughty, naughty microbes and toxins, I'd love to hear a little bit about um, how someone like yourself that does come from an, a medical doctor, MD, conventional background, how, how, how do you find yourself uh, in the functional medicine space and especially then also kind of the, the area that you specialize in? Great question. Um, <clears throat> it was a actually just a, a, a av avalanche of events that one thing, if one thing hadn't happened, I probably wouldn't have ended up where I am. So I'm very grateful. None of it is coincidental, in my opinion. Um, you know, I, I, I came from West Virginia. That's actually where I am right now, back home. And in West Virginia, there's no such thing as functional medicine back in the early 2000s. Um, there's sick care and that's it really. And I went to school in medical school residency at the University of Louisville, great level one trauma center. I rotated through, you know, five, six different hospitals. I saw, you know, heart transplants. The first hand transplant was done in Louisville. You know, it came to critical care and triage. I was really trained well. Um, and I thought, you know, you're, you kind of have it glorified when you're in school. You think about what it's going to be, what it should look like. And then you get out and it's not really, it doesn't really look like you thought it would. Um, and so I kept trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. I would, I did it for almost seven years. And I knew people that came in the ER every week for the same problem. They left discharged on 30, 40, 50 medications. And I thought, is this all there is? Is this really health? 
And when I moved across the country to the West Coast, which thank God I did, because it gave me a whole new perspective, whole new energy change. And I became a disruptive physician in the hospital. I started, you know, really getting on social media, reading, seeing how other people had healed themselves, started researching because I had the medical background to understand things. So I could double check what people said, where I read things. And I started to kind of wake up and I became destructive. I would go to the cafeteria. I would complain about Pepsi and Coke in the hospital. Why was there processed dairy for cancer patients? Why was all this sugar or processed chemicals given to sick patients? And they told me to shut up. And um, then I would see a patient on a proton pump inhibitor um, in, the, in the chart for six years. And I would write in the chart, this patient has been on a proton pump inhibitor for six years. This is malpractice. And the primary care doctor would call the hospitalist team and I would be in trouble for writing that in the chart because it made him liable. And I just got sick of the politics. I just got sick of, well, the system's broken. It's just the way it is. I felt like I was part of the problem. I was, um, you know, a cog in a wheel that I didn't believe in anymore. Um, and it really started to tug at my heartstrings and honestly make me not feel good about myself. And so I knew I had to find a way out. Luckily enough, I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. I didn't have, I just, I just had a bunch of school debt. So <clears throat> I moved to California and I started shadowing a naturopath and I would go all the time. I learned as much as I could. I got trained in Gerson therapy. I got trained in ozone. Um, I have always had an interest in infectious disease. That's what I did a lot of my poster presentations on, a lot of my rotations in, in internal medicine. And it turns out here I am in the functional medicine world of infectious disease, treating a lot of Lyme's, moldies, parasite um, patients. That, chronic, that allopathic medicine has really made to feel um, like they're drug seekers, malingerers, um, crazy and they are hopeless by the time they come to see me. And man, does it feel like a calling? And man, does it feel like I'm helping people and getting to the root cause and seeing change? And it's better than Christmas morning. You know, I, it, it's it's beautiful to hear these stories because it's like, you know, I always kind of joke that, uh, you know, we didn't pick the functional life, the functional life picked us. <laughs> True. <laughs> you know, and so it, it, it's kind of that dark night of the soul that you went through, but that's how you found your purpose. And, you know, now you're living that purpose and living in alignment. And that's, you know, why your aura is is so, you know, radiant and everything, right? Thank you so much. Yeah, you know, I feel, I feel like a more whole person with a purpose. I mean, don't you? Oh, absolutely. We need purpose. Yeah. You know, yeah. We're we're like uh, giant microbes, and without purpose, <laughs> we're you know just a single bacterium lost in this crazy world, and we just get, you know, wiped away. You know. Oh my gosh, that's right. You know, and the funny thing, I, I've just, I've described it that way before, where I do, I look at humans as basically just big microbes or macro microbes or something, and you know, when you look at like microbiology, and I, I know you can appreciate this with like, you know, how bacteria work and quorum sensing and all that cool stuff. And it's like, bacteria don't behave in isolation. You know, the bacterium isn't like, oh, I'm an independent bacterium. I want to do this and build skyscrapers. No, the bacterium is working as part of a bigger colony of bacteria and everything the bacteria are doing are, are you know, to um, proliferate a, as a as a colony as a population so it's it's that unified organism kind of mechanism that drives forward biology and in humans I think we've lost touch with that to some degree there's very few people who know what you just said that uh, that we are giant walking microbes billions and trillions of bacteria and viruses walking around communicating making one big symbiotic organism and you know, people who don't want to know that stuff, they hate it. If you tell them their cravings are due to the bacteria in their gut, they hate it. They're like, no, it's my craving. I'm like, no, 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 it's not. Your higher self does not want processed sugar, but that's the truth. You're exactly right. We're nothing but walking microbes. Yeah. You know, it fits. And I was talking about mold on Instagram past few weeks and, you know, uh, how, you know, fungal overgrowth in the gut is such a big thing. Um, you know, and somebody commented like, it, it, they just had no idea, like, wait, 
you know, I've mold growing in my gut. Well, like, well, I don't know if you do, but you could, like it happens pretty regularly. And it's like, ah, oh, you know, like it's, it's disturbing. It's like, you know, when you wake up to this whole world of microbiology, that's living inside of you, it's, it's a little creepy at first, but then, you know, it's like, no, the microbes are our friends, not our enemies. Right. Exactly. You know, depending on if you have a microbiome or a pathobiome, I do believe that you, it's almost like a light switch in some people, like they have a traumatic, I don't know, car accident, something traumatic in their life, and then they, or they get food poisoning. It's like this antecedent trigger. And then it's like their whole body turns, it's like their beneficial organisms aren't working as well as the um, more ominous microbes, if you will. It's interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and so I love, especially um, being a medical doctor, because, you know, I, I think most of my friends and colleagues are either naturopaths or, you know, coaches or something in between, whereas like, I think you and Jill Carnahan are the only two that kind of pop into my head that like are, are two people that I know that, you know, MD and, and, you know, I've been to so many conferences and stuff that, and every, every demographic's a little different, but I definitely, in my experience, have found like MDs have a very different style. It's a, it's a very different way of looking at things. It's a very different approach. Whereas, you know, my background is bro science. I, I come from the world of you know, nutritional biochemistry and exercise physiology, but, you know, I think you, you like know, orthopedic surgeons. What was that? You would like the orthopedic surgeons and the yeah. sports medicine. Box. Oh, you, absolutely. They're, yeah. they're a cool squad. Yeah. And, you know, in, in a lot of ways, um, and I know you get this where it's kind of mind blowing to me, like how medicine as, as a paradigm, as a methodology has really become what it is today. When you look at, you know, Hippocrates as the father of medicine and let nature do the work or death begins in the colon and, you know, but everything kind of changed when, with, with pharmaceutical science and pharmaceutical technology. Yeah. You know, think back to when you were in college and how impressionable you were even then. Yeah. When you get in, and think about medical school. I mean, it was one big party half the time for me anyway, UofL, but it was extension of college where you're still very impressionable. Um, and they really truly believe their schooling. And the way I explain it to people is how naive and sweet humans are that we just believe. We just say, why would someone tell lie to us? And we just take it at face value. And that's what a lot of doctors have done. We don't want to believe that our hundreds of thousands of dollars of education has not been completely and um, unwaveringly truthful with us. You know, that's a hard pill to swallow, especially for people who've been in the career and feel like they've seen successes with patients. You know, I mean, it does happen. It's, you know, that's the thing about allopathic medicine. Gosh, it's great for emergency medicine. There's nothing better. If you emergency surgeries, you have to go that direction. But any other, um, it's not great for chronic illness. It's not. And if you're a doc, like I was in internal medicine, you're, you're kind of looking at, um, you're, you're kind of looking at just a one um, dimensional, two dimensional viewpoint with these pharmaceuticals. And there's not, and you know, herbs are very frowned upon. I can remember patients coming in the hospital and we would stop every herb they were on because we were afraid they would interfere, interfere with the synthetics. And I don't know how to change that perspective with doctors unless they are willing to shadow naturopaths like I did and see the difference. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's, it's really powerful. You know, I actually, um, it's not something I necessarily talk about a lot. Uh, but, you know, I, I was working full time as a trainer and nutritionist and going to school and because I knew I wanted to do functional stuff, functional medicine stuff, I didn't know how to get there. And there's no such thing currently as a doctor of functional medicine, we don't have a, you know, functional medical school yet or licensure yet. I'm sure it's coming. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I ended up dropping out of school because I'm just like hopping through the hoops of gen eds and you're studying stuff kind of in a, in a vacuum Petri dish that's not really applicable to where the rubber meets the road with like how... Hey guys, I just wanted to take a moment to thank you all so much for listening to the Holistic Savage podcast. We on the Holistic Savage team all really appreciate you and want to stay connected with you. So please rate, review, and subscribe to help the podcast grow. And if you like the podcast, help get the word out. And now back to the show.
I help guide this human towards better health? And so, you know, that's where I, I didn't want to go the, the medical school route because I was like, well, because, you know, I, I didn't want to do medications and, and prescribing drugs, whereas like not being a part of that and you breaking out of that we have so many more tools at our disposal, environmental intervention, psychological intervention, lifestyle, supplemental, you know, everything. And then especially that's the beauty of a functional medical doctor um, is you can do all the above, right? It's true. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice because we're not restricted in any states. Nationwide, we have the same access and capabilities and legalities and things. It's very similar for us. I know for a lot of naturopaths, they aren't licensed in certain states. They don't have the accessibility to do certain things. They're really restricted. I don't know. Um, I think chiropractors somewhat too as well. So it's very, um, I, I look forward to the day where everyone is on their opinion and their professionalism and their expertise is on an equal playing field. And we don't, we have kind of drowned our egos or calmed our egos enough to learn from the other one. You know, I look forward to that day. Yeah, you, you and me both. And I think that's my favorite thing about our kind of wild west functional industry that, that we work in is, is the diversity of it. And it's like, you know, it's, it's so beautifully metaphorical for like life itself, right? Because when we look at biology in the natural world and microbiology, like with the microbiome, there's a lot that we really don't know. There's much more that we don't know than what we do know. But there's one thing that we feel pretty good about. It's diversity equals better health. And I think that's such a great metaphor for life itself. And so with our industry, we've got scientists and researchers, medical doctors, naturopathic coaches, diet, you know, everything in between. And it is that diversity of all of us putting our, our perspectives and our heads together of like, how do we solve this healthcare crisis of the modern world? Yeah, you know, um, who was it that said it's the person that thinks they know everything that really is, is most dangerous or doesn't know a lot. I can't remember how the saying goes exactly. I don't want to say that about other medical doctors, but anybody, anybody on the planet, if you assume that you know, you're more likely to miss things. Um, or if you just are reactive knee-jerk responses, someone's a quack, you might miss a pearl of knowledge that that quack has to offer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, and when it comes to, uh, and again, you know, I, I, I don't know necessarily the, the domestication that certain doctors are getting through their education, but, but when I look at it, if like, if we're trying to help another human move the needle on, on their health, you know, we have to be communicating a message in a psychologically constructive manner. And, and that's where I think it's taken sort of a modern understanding of psychology and neuroscience and everything in between to really understand well like the language and the energy that we're you know radiating and directing at this human how we deliver that message has such a big impact on you know how they're going to receive how they're going to interpret are they going to now identify as this diagnosis and feel like a broken damaged good and you know what i mean so it's like i think we have to change that narrative and even kind of change the way that we you know are putting labels on somebody and so that's where, you know, I've got this saying behind me, because I think we really need to be, you know, educating and empowering people. And that's, that's exactly what leaders like yourself are doing. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I, I try my best. I think that people really just want to be heard. They're so used to not being heard. Gosh, they get what, six minutes on average at a doctor's office. And so when you sit with an hour, an hour with a patient just to get their intake and history, they're in tears. Because mm -hmm. no one's ever done that. Just listen to their health journey. That's so powerful. Just to have patients be able to get that out of their bodies alone. So yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's it's a great service. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's one of those. I, I think one of the best thing things that we can do for clients or patients or loved ones in general uh, is just holding that safe space for them to feel heard and seen and respected and valued and empowered and educated and, and above all else loved right you know love i think is the most healing energy in existence and i think you know in the functional world we we harness that power of love pretty effectively and functionally right 
Exactly. No, for sure. Um, I think that's what's what's really ultimately going to push functional medicine to the top of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that we understand stealth infections are a root cause. That's a big one, too. Well, so then on that note, let's uh, let's get into that a little bit, unpack that, because I, I think the, the title of this episode will be like Naughty Microbes and Toxins, which um, you're an expert in, so this will be good. Where, where to begin? You know, with the current kind of metabolic crisis, and we, a lot of people in, in our space this year have been citing that study that found you know, 88% of Americans are metabolically ill. And, you know, we already know 70% are overweight or obese, almost half the population pre-diabetic or diabetic, you know, suicide being a top leader, uh, a top cause of death for Americans and in the, in the chronic um, disease comorbidities. So, you know, I think what's so, I'm kind of setting the stage, what's so detrimental is, you know, we've created this society and culture this lifestyle and environment that directly promotes chronic disease. Like that's irrefutable. And even amidst an infectious disease crisis, there is nothing being done to raise awareness or education or empowerment on, hey, the environment is dramatically hurting us with this 5G EMF and the glyphosate that we're not really banning very quickly and everything else. Uh, The lifestyle that we're promoting is just directly fueling diabetes and everything else. But then on top of that, you know, there's this area that I think is horribly misunderstood and it hasn't fully caught on yet. I think it's really exploding in our world, but that's far from mainstream, which is, you know, this idea of stealth infections and, and toxic loads. So I'd love to hear you, especially being a medical doctor, because you know, you, you go see an infectious disease MD through your, you know, conventional healthcare system. Um, stealth infection, that like, that doesn't exist. Microbial imbalance, that doesn't exist. Dysbiosis, that doesn't exist. Basically, unless you have an acute infection or sepsis or whatever, like an acute inflammatory incidence that's like life-threatening where you're going to throw antibiotics or whatever. So I'd love to hear your sort of perspective and definition on you know, why, like, what are stealth infections and, and why is this such a crucial part of medicine that's just so overlooked? You know, great, great synopsis. Um, you said something early on that caught my attention that I wanted to explain to people and you touched on terrain theory. You said we promote an environment that lets these stealth infections exist. And that's really a powerful statement. I think a lot of people would stop in their tracks and say, wait, 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 Brendan, what do you mean? And it's, it's so important to understand that statement because it's so powerful. We live in an environment that lets us be sick. Okay, so if you guys are familiar with Beauchamp, his theory was that the mosquitoes were not attracted to the pond, but the pond scum, right? And so the pathogens also are attracted to the pond scum. We all are made up, you guys heard us say, we're made up of microbes. Bacteria, viruses, we're made up of them. So when do they turn bad? When do they not work for us, but against us? And the difference is the terrain of your local environment and the interior of your body. That's the difference. And so if you're out eating the fast food that's been deemed essential, if you're, you know, goodness, out um, not putting a bunch of regular mainstream lotions and cosmetics and toiletries on your skin, you're not worrying about your indoor air quality, you know, who cares about a leak in the house? Um, You know, all these things matter because if they're not what nature intended, they can definitely make you sick. And what Brendan and I know is that a lot of people are sick due to their environment. And so, and so that's the first thing that regular mainstream medicine doesn't really address. That's the first thing that they believe. They believe more in germ theory, where it's just a single microbe can cause a significant illness. Well, we're made of microbes. So how does that happen? How do you get a hundred people in a room and some, you know, 80 get sick and 20 don't? Why does that, what's different about the 20? What is it? It's terrain. And so let's go on to stealth infections now, knowing that they're attracted to chemical toxicities. If you can't get those toxicities out of your body, you're a sitting duck for things like parasites and um, maybe tick associated illnesses because we all are exposed, but it's a certain type of genetics and a certain type of emotional trauma or perfect storm that is the inciting factor to activate this. So that's how I believe about stealth infections. Obviously mainstream medicine isn't really caught up with this. 
right? So they're yeah, still no. going after the single <laughs> Right. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that's the thing, you know, not, not being a uh, medical professional myself, not having that, that background, I think that has allowed me as, as a young man to, I don't know, see it for what it is rather than what people are telling me it is sort of thing and, and digging into it. Cause it, it just, you know, in, in the whole germ theory, cause I'm not a history guy, but you have to look at the history to even make sense of how the hell did we even get here where like, it makes sense. We used to be more just primal creatures. Once upon a time we were hunter gatherers and, you know, obviously things evolved over time um, in agriculture and, and whatnot. Um, but, you know, we used to like, okay, die of starvation or uh, we're freezing and, and whatever. But generally speaking, like you either die of more kind of physical injury means um, or if you get sick, like what does that mean you got sick? Like, well, you got an infection of some kind. And, and that kind of gave birth to this idea that, well, these tiny microbes make us sick. And you know, we used to think that the human body was sterile. We, we thought the blood was sterile and whatever. And it's like, there's nothing sterile about the human body. We are coated inside and out with, with microbes. We have more microbial cells than human cells. So now we're kind of finding ourselves in this world where, you know, our, our giant massive system that we built still clings to this notion of, of germ theory and germs and bugs are are bad, but meanwhile, the science is pointing us in this direction of, no, the microbiome of, of life itself, like we, we are creatures of the earth. We used to live in the dirt. We used to live in huts. We used to bathe in the creeks and whatnot. And you compare that to this weird world that we live in today. Meanwhile, we're cooking ourselves with radiation. It's like, whoa, like we've got some serious unlearning and then relearning to do, you know? So true. And the, the whole sterilization of not only our bodies, but the earth, you know, our bodies mirror the earth and we are here tilling the earth, destroying the earth, spraying it with pesticides, eradicating everything that we deem negative in the duality, which is earth. And that also mirrors our bodies. We're also obsessed with over sterilization of any pathogen within the body, not even wondering if that's our defense mechanism and things are there in certain ratios because there's a homeostasis to those ratios well said and you know i think it's really fascinating how resilient the human body is but also like how fragile and delicate it really can be where you know like <clears throat> lipopolysaccharide from gram negative in, in the gut or whatever you know we've got dormant blood bacteria and trillions of bacteria in our gut and whatever and under normal uh, environmental conditions, both internal and external, normal physiological circumstances, you know, a little bit of like postprandial, you know, endotoxin translocation, you know, leaky gut for the listeners, all that, we can handle that normally. Like that's normal. Our, our body has evolved that way. We, you know, a little candida in the gut is normal. But then now, because we live in this more modern world where, you know, we're wiping out our flora and, eating glyphosate with every meal, which is a known microbiome killer, uh, we're seeing a breakdown of these beautiful innate systems, our detoxification systems, our immune systems, everything in between. We're seeing the failure and, and breakdown and overload of these systems that have evolved over you know, how many hundreds of thousands of years. And it's all happening very, very quickly, right? Oh, very quickly. It's terrifying when you look at the trajectory. I mean, obviously causation doesn't equal correlation, but when you look at the trajectory of glyphosate and the incidence of things like, you know, neurodegenerative conditions like Alzheimer's or autism or even mental illness, it really mirrors the rise in glyphosate use. And so, you know, obviously this is things, things that need to be studied and explored further. Um, and, you know, I think about it all the time, honestly, like, Cilantro was probably enough to chelate most heavy metals back before the industrial revolution. Um, you know, a lot of different herbs like wormwood was probably a miracle for people who got things like, you know, um, Lyme or even potentially syphilis, you know, back in the day. Um, but, you know, nowadays we've 
thrown the ratios and homeostasis off of our bodies and arts so much. We need, I think everyone on the planet could use a toxin binder. I don't know about you, but everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think these days so, binders are like the new multivitamins. Literally. I mean, I think everyone, you know, I truly believe people are sick most of the time because of what they can't eliminate, not what they're missing, but what they can't eliminate that's stuck in the body. And binders are the best for removing toxins. And if you live in this world, trust me, your exposome or what you've been exposed to is, is it needs a little TLC. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's this kind of, uh, I don't know, it, it's like a epigenetic crisis, really. I mean, we, you, you you can make the argument we're sort of de-evolving from like a genetic perspective and um the, the genetic side of things is is pretty interesting and you know that's you know the hla or w whatever mutation we want to talk about that might sort of you know load the gun but then yeah the the environment the lifestyle really pulling the trigger and so then with stealth infections the the other side of that coin or yin yang it's kind of like you have the stealth infections, naughty microbes on one side, and then, you know, toxic load. And you speak to toxic load super eloquently. So I'd love to hear, you know, you explain to the audience um, uh, what toxic load really means. Right. So I, just for the general layperson, I like to have you imagine something which is a toxin bucket. I think um, Dr. Stephen Cabral talks about this a lot too. And everyone's born with an innate toxin bucket in their body. Um, if you guys have read the study about over 230 some chemicals in the blood of umbilical cords of babies before they're born. So obviously they are already exposed even before they come into this world. And some people who have a more vulnerable set of genes or susceptible genes might have those genes mutated in a negative direction based on that toxin bucket. So some people's toxin bucket might fill up pretty quickly based on their genetics. Other people's might take most of their life before it's overflowing. But once that bucket's overflowing, that's when you start to develop symptoms and maybe a diagnosis. And so emptying that toxin bucket can do positive things for um, your, not only your drainage pathways and your health, but also it is possible to mutate genes in a positive direction as well. And that's the good news is that is how resilient our bodies are. Absolutely. And, you know, I think the, the, the toxic load and self-infection equation, cause you know, my, uh, I got in like, you know, joking too, I, I didn't pick the mold life, the mold life picked me. Like I never, with my background and starting my career as a trainer and nutritionist, like I never would have thought I, I would care or know so much about like mold, uh, whatever. But I tell you what, you know, you go through a healing crisis or two and you start caring pretty quick. Um, <clears throat> you know, and I think it's really interesting. Like, so I, I used to really just work with like weight loss clients and the general population pursuing health and wanting to work out and eat better and work on their psychology and, and that kind of stuff. Um, but, but then it's like, okay, so certainly you have that. You have, like we said, 88% of Americans metabolically ill. They're already metabolically ill and immunocompromised from their own environment and, and you know, chosen lifestyle, which is where education empowerment comes in. So those people don't fare too well when you sprinkle in a little tick bite or a little mold exposure because their system's already so compromised. But then the past three years, I've pretty much exclusively worked with this other type of population that's probably pretty similar to what you work with, where, you know, like a lot of my clients, they're healthy people. They already live a really healthy, health-promoting lifestyle, but then they're, they're still sick. And these are the ones that are going to, you know, multiple doctors and like, oh, well, your blood work looks fine and normal. There's nothing wrong with you. It's all in your head. You want something to make you feel better. So I'd love to hear you speak to as, as a, as a doctor and, and a functional doctor that specializes in this area, you know, why are, why is the, the excess toxic load and the stealth infections, why is that so easy to miss with conventional testing? And, and how do we go about trying to navigate this really? Yeah, good question. This is one of the most popular questions I get, actually, because people are really confused. They're like, I got a Lyme test from my doc and it was negative and they don't understand. And it's it, first of all, if you guys are listening and that's happened to you, it's designed that way. I truly believe that. I truly believe there's a cover up about how um, 
detrimental and chronic Lyme is and how common. It's more common than breast cancer with up to 300,000 cases per year per the CDC recently. So, you know, I truly believe that there, there are lots of people with this and um, they're confused about how to get proper testing. So one of the ways that I suggest for you guys is to understand the best test. And if you, your PCP won't order it, you can always look for a functional medicine provider or practitioner who knows what tests to order. There is one that, the, that they can order themselves out there called DNA Connections. It's a urine test. Um, I do, they provocate before the test, you guys, which means they get you to sweat. They get you to get a lymph massage, um, do something to shake those suckers out of their hiding place. So what that should tell you just based on that testing, um, those testing instructions alone is that, gosh, this bacteria hides extremely well, or it's parasitic co-infections. They are stealth infections. They, do you guys think they're bad at their job? They have been around as long as we have, if not longer. They are not bad at their job, they're pros. Um, and our testing is really archaic. It hasn't changed in 30 to 50 years. It hasn't been updated, you guys. The ELISA screening test, which most docs know not to do now, misses up to 80 to 90% of cases. The Western blot still can miss up to 40% of cases depending on where you are in your Lyme progression. And so um, I think that you can get a better result with the Western blot with sweating and binders. I do, I do believe that if that's the only option you've got. I know that you can do great with things like Igenix, Vibrant Lime Panel, um, who I really like. They're only $450 and they've given me some pretty accurate results. And that's as cheap as I can get a Lyme test for most people if you want an accurate Lyme test. DNA connections, the urine test I just spoke of is about 650. Iogenics, I got mad at to get a full Lyme panel. It's about 15 to $1,800 and they don't take insurance. So I quit using them. Um, but that's really the honest truth about Lyme, you guys. This is a bacteria that's corkscrew shaped. So remember, form follows function. So that means it likes to burrow because it's like a it, it's like a nail screw, a little corkscrew nail that'll just burrow right into tissues, bone, cranial tissue, joints, uh, mucous membranes. It doesn't hang out in the blood. So when you test that, it doesn't always show up. And a lot of the tests, like the Western blot, are testing your body's indirect antibody response to seeing the pathogen. So if your body doesn't really mount a very good immune response, we may miss it. So to increase the efficacy and um, hopefully get a positive result if you're looking for answers, make sure you do something like kill bind sweat a couple days beforehand so that you can get a more positive result for yourself. Absolutely, well, and certainly, yeah. you know, I, I like the word stealth infection or, or the, the phrase. I think it's very accurate and kind of this idea of microbial imbalances and, and stealth infections where, you know, you, like you look at Borrelia and I, I love how you said that with the, the form and, and function and, you know, it can change its surface proteins to hide from the immune system and stuff. And it's just like, what, you know, there's even some kind of conspiracy theories out there. I'm like, oh, this was engineered to like totally screw us up. I, which, I I do believe that some. Yeah, um, yeah. I say it's climate change that's made it change its territory, but it's 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 very interesting. Um, I do think that our government has been very interested in vector-based diseases for a long time. I'll just say that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, you know, and and like when I'm talking about mold all the time, I always. Um, you know, I'm educating people of like, okay, so conventional healthcare acknowledges something like aspergillosis of the lungs or mold allergy. Um, but when it comes to, you know, fungal overgrowth of the gut or mycotoxicosis or, or some of these, you know, and it's, it's crazy, right? Like we all know about, about mold and, you know, if you have mold in your home, they'll come in with a, with a, a hazard suit on, you know, and everything, but then this idea of like, oh, but I'm living in a moldy house and that that couldn't be contributing to, you know, my illness in some way. It just like it just doesn't make sense. Right. But as you're saying, you know, the testing itself is is so nuanced and expensive, which, you know, is where working with um, a very skilled provider is, is so needed. Right. Hey, guys. 
I just wanted to take a moment to thank you all so much for listening to the Holistic Savage podcast. We on the Holistic Savage team all really appreciate you and want to stay connected with you. So please rate, review, and subscribe to help the podcast grow. And if you like the podcast, help get the word out. And now back to the show. Exactly. And I'm going to say something a little taboo here, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I'm sort of a one or two hit wonder with my patients. I do not test a ton. Um, In general, if I know that there is some sort of biotoxin illness, which for me is all encompassing of parasites, mold, and tick associated illnesses, um, then I go after all of them. I don't need to know exactly the whole frenemy load that makes up their toxin bucket, if you will. I just need to know there are absolutely probably pesticides, plastics, dioxins, PCBs, whatnot in this patient that are attracting a number of stealth infections, which are behaving all encompassing of biotoxin illness. What, unless that patient wants to know specifically what's in them, I don't test because it doesn't change my plan of action once I know what's up. I'm really so. glad you said that. Like, I, I think that's that's really powerful. Certainly, I, I find that one of the kind of biggest obstacles and, and objections with clients and patients in this space is, you know, the, the testing is expensive. Usually insurance doesn't cover much of any of it. Um, but then, you know, it is, it's, it's horribly nuanced. And like, I, I you know, I love all the tests and, and whatnot. It's great. They're, they're tools at our disposal. Um, but you know, nothing can replace that critical thinking. And, you know, it's like with the mycotoxin assays, like I, you know, I like, I like mycotoxin testing just as much as the next, uh, holistic savage, but, um, you know, how many mold toxins you're peeing out of your body doesn't tell me a whole lot. Like it's going to be the first thing to go where it's like, why don't we focus in? That was actually something Sandeep spoke to very beautifully on his episode of, you know, um, he said like, well, ask the patient, like, what will this data do for you? Like, what is that going to do for you in your mindset? Like, do you need to see that? Or maybe should we just focus on the behaviors that are, that are going to lead to the outcome that we desire? Right. Yes, exactly. Um, and oftentimes if patients, you know, I find it more helpful sometimes to even test the home before the patient if you suspect mold. Um, sometimes the patient holds on to mold spores and they don't even wanna dump them out in the urine, especially if they're really blocked, but you can usually catch the house and there's the root cause. Cause if you catch the patient's body, you're gonna go looking for it in home anyway. Um, so sometimes I'll just go straight to the house. I know a lot of things I say are taboo, but. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, you, you mentioned being disruptive earlier and it's like, I, I really don't believe you can accomplish anything of true significance without being disruptive right? Like that's, that's innovative. It's, it's not even like disruptive as much as it is um, innovative in in my opinion. So I think what you're saying is, is so needed and why I was so excited to have you on this, on this call. Um, And, you know, so I'd be curious too, while we're on it, you know, with Lyme and mold, we see a lot like these things go together, right? And, and you kind of answered this already where, like we don't always have to know the exact bug because like there's there's not the the root cause paradigm I think is better in theory than in application because it's like well there's not one bug culprit there's not one toxin culprit it's the toxic load it's the microbial load the inflammatory load mixed in with you know your your weak genetics or predispositions or you know whatnot but it, well so actually that that kind of segues into you mentioned your killbind sweat which is the sexiest, coolest thing I think I've ever heard. So I'd love to hear you speak to your your method of killbind sweat, which is so easy to remember and so powerful. Yeah, you know, it was a mistake that that caught on. I just happened to hashtag that on Instagram one day and everyone went after it. And I understand now, it's like you said, it's kind of sexy and cool, catchy sounding. People are like, ooh, what's that? Um, And it's easy. You know, most people, if, they can't afford a sauna, they usually have a bathtub where they can drink some ginger tea, take a hot Epsom salt bath and try and sweat. Um, and quickly people were taught about binders with that, which was probably my happiest moment because I think everyone should know about binders. So um, 
And then the kill part, you know, obviously that's referring to uh, herbal antimicrobials. So people got an introduction to how those can be used in a way like antibiotics. Um, and there's so many people in rural communities who don't know there are other options. So something like that is easy to understand. It's, it's, it's um, you know, easy to remember, I think, too. And pretty much everyone has capabilities to do it. It's not too expensive. It's not out of the way for people. Um, and the way it works, guys, for everyone listening, is kill is referring to an, an herbal antimicrobial, something like, um, you know, if you're doing a parasite cleanse, maybe something like para one, para two on cell core or with microbe formulas. I really like biocyten as well, which uses essential oils as biofilm busters, um, depending on what we're, we think we're dealing with. You know, wait, you know, 20, 30 minutes, take the binder of your choice. I prefer an, um, obviously an active uh, carbon binder that is, goes systemically. And then you get into the sauna or hot bathtub to sweat. And that is kill bind sweat. And the purpose of that is to kill any sort of pathogenic bacteria, viruses, yeast, fungus that may be overgrowing in the body. Um, we don't want to leave that in the body recirculating. People will, re will react negatively. So binders mop those toxins up. And then sweating is a way to release those toxins. And if I might say, you can actually release certain heavy metals more efficaciously in sweat than even urine. And so many people tell me they can't sweat. And that's not good, you guys. You're supposed to sweat. It's a great way to cool off the body. It's also a great detox, which we're not taught about. Um, and, you know, Back to labels with people. The reason I don't test a lot is because when people ask you to test is because sometimes they identify with allopathic medicine where they're given a label, a diagnosis. And in my new perspective with functional medicine, I don't think, I do not think in labels and diagnoses. That's a constellation of symptoms that they wanted to name so they can bill it and give you a medicine. What I think of is what organ systems are involved here. How is the body communicating? Oh, this means the eczema? There's a problem with the liver. Possibly parasites or mold. That's how I'm thinking. What's the toxicity? What's the organ involved? And what pathogens are likely in that organ? And that's the, the perspective change. Rather than a diagnosis, which isn't the root cause of the problem, you guys, it's not. So that's what I want to leave with audience with is you think this way about medicine, try and just 180 it and think about how the whole body's communicating and what that diagnosis really means it's deeper mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know and, and it's so powerful and i i couldn't agree more where I, I don't think a lot of these labels are very helpful and you you do see that people get very kind of attached and married to that label which you know that with something i talk a lot about with mental health is you know, that neuroplasticity of like, if we're really trying to create a new belief system, uh, new neural networks, a, a new downstream effect from our psyche to our physiology, having this idea of like, I am sick, I am broken, I have all these things wrong with me. That's not constructive, you know, mm -hmm. so because that's, so I, I like to look at it. Um, it's, it's all the input signals, right? Like our, our body is this brilliant, amazing, adaptive machine. And, you know, this is personal trainer 101, like personal trainer school, day one, specific adaptation to impose demand. But it's like, no, that applies to everything, not just working out. You know, if you, if you uh, expose to a toxin, you know, there's a certain hormetic effect where in that bell-shaped curve of like, well, the dose makes the poison, but, you know, we might build some resilience against it. Your, your body's very smart. But if you want a, a different outcome, you have to change all the input signals, which, you know, that sounds maybe nuanced, but no, like literally what we're saying is, you know, change the environment, have a more health promoting environment, uh, change the behavior of the organism in that environment. So, you know, it is very confusing for a lot of people navigating this because they're over here in this kind of, you know, limited diagnostic testing, diagnosis, and what's the protocol, what's the pill, what's the thing? It's like, no, 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 let's, you know, let's zoom out a little bit more and look at it a little bit more holistically. And then it makes a lot more sense. Exactly, because they're looking at it as, you know, there's this problem, how do I triage and stop this right now? And we're, the, we're looking at how did you get here over the last decade? And how do we unravel that? 
it's not just about what emergent staff do we take right now to stop, cut out whatever body part is causing a problem. It's about where did, how did you get here chronically over time? And, and how do we unravel those traumas? Those, you know, I don't want to say mistakes, but, you know, maybe, uh, you know, you got involved in medicine somehow and you had to have your gallbladder removed. How do we go backwards and help your body recover and work in homeostasis or normalcy together after there's been that organ removed? And that's how I want people to think. Yeah, it's perfect. You know, that's that it's that vital void that was created that now has to be filled. So um, I know you're, you know, you're um, at home getting ready to go see your parents. I, I, I don't want to delay you too much, but uh, the word on the street. Um, so I understand <laughs> that you're, you're not taking private patients anymore, but I, I'm hearing some whispers about this app. And I would love for you to, to tell us a little bit more about this project. Yeah, so I'm really excited, actually. This feels, I love seeing patients one-on-one, um, but let me explain, because I feel like I had a year-long wait list, and so there's probably people that were on the wait list for, you know, six months, and then they hear I'm out of practice, and they're like, gosh, you know, what do I do? And the reason I did that was because I garnished a year-long wait list, and I thought, in these hour consults, most of the time, I, I really love to hear patient stories and I think it matters to them, but when my response to them is usually pushed through um, the exact same frequency every time I'm repeating myself every time. And that's because regardless of your unique situation, there's only a handful of root causes. When pushed through your unique DNA, it comes out as your unique label. And so I did that so many times I thought I need a bigger platform to repeat so I don't have to repeat myself and I'm getting my message out to more people to help. So they're not waiting to see me one-on-one. Um, and it's a beautiful story. The person who built this app from scratch for me was a former patient of mine who I healed or helped heal over three years. He's doing so much better and he's a web developer and his whole team built this app for me with sweat equity. And um, it's been live now. It'll be three weeks on Wednesday. And we have a bunch of, we have almost 600 ple- very pleased subscribers and it's wonderful. It's live webinars twice a month with me with live Q and A's. Um, and the last one was two hours. Um, it's hundreds of PDFs, articles, uh, different. I have wellness plus quickies. The name of the app is wellness plus. I have wellness plus quickies, which are one page PDFs of root cause problems to every any medical condition and uh, solutions holistically. So everyone has, you know, there's courses, webinars, so many things. There's a a wellness plus goodie box coming soon. We have a community forum coming soon, an affiliate program coming soon. And it's, it's so exciting to help so many people. So this feels like my Dharma and that's what the app's uh, purpose is, is to help many more people. I mean, I I think it's amazing wellness plus ladies and gentlemen, because, um, yeah, you know, I, I can certainly relate to that. And we, you can only help so many people one-on-one. And that, that line, especially in today's times, that line for all of us is just getting longer and longer and longer. So we have to get a little more creative with, you know, raising the overall frequency through education and empowerment. And so especially with, you know, social media and apps and technology, we have the technology to do that. So I think that's so innovative and, and amazing. I'm so excited for you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's been great and super fun for me so far. So thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, absolutely. Well, Jess, you know, uh, I'm, I'll let you get going to your parents, but you know, this has been such a fun conversation. You've been on the radar for a long time. I can't wait for the day that, you know, travel and conferences happen again. So hopefully our pals cross again in person. Maybe I'll have some t-shirts for us by then, but uh <laughs> I would love that. I would laugh so hard if you had those printed and had it waiting. <laughs> oh, it's, I have a feeling it's going to happen. I need, to, I need to get my bearings about me a little bit, get through this year, but I think it's going to happen. And so that, really free advertising for you. If you give me a holistic savage t-shirt too. Oh, so. absolutely. It's all, yeah. you'll just get a care package hand delivered with a big savage hug. <laughs> I love it. Perfect. So perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Well, Jess, thank you so much for having me. Enjoy your family. Safe travels, my friend. I can't wait to release this episode to the world. And and I really respect what you're doing. You're very inspirational and your energy is amazing. Your expertise is amazing. So thank you. Thank you so much, Brendan. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I'll talk to you soon, my friend. Enjoy your family. Bye.